Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, folks. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by italki. If you'd like to get a free lesson with italki, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. When you get some talking time with a qualified teacher or with a native speaker who's there to talk to you when you buy some talking time italki will send you a voucher worth a free lesson italki is cool because basically it's a really easy way to find one-to-one teachers or to find native speakers for conversation practice also there's a large community of uh, language learners using italki who you can get in touch with in order to organize language exchanges which are free italki is brilliant it's a it's the modern new way of um, speaking whatever language it is that you want to learn by using skype it's brilliant you've got to try it teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're doing well out there in podcast land. I was thinking the other day, I've been working as an English teacher for nearly 17 years now. And I often ask my students, and I've always asked them throughout my career, what they do in English outside class. Like, for example, what they read or watch or listen to, how they continue to work on their English when I'm not there in front of them. And I've always been surprised at how people just don't do enough listening. And I've always thought that if my learners or if learners of English in general listened to more things in English regularly, often just for enjoyment rather than just as some kind of obligation, if they just listen to more things in English, how this would make a big difference to their skills. A lot of my students, even the ones at B2 level or above, and I'm talking here about all the students I've met in my career, including ones uh, from all over the world that I met when I was working in London. So I'm not just talking about my French students in Paris that I teach now, but all the students I've met. A lot of them admit that they just hardly ever listen to English outside class. Now, yes, a lot of people admittedly say that they watch films and TV shows in English with English subtitles switched on. But I don't often hear people telling me that they just listen to things like radio shows or online interviews and podcasts. Of course, there are reasons why people don't listen enough, um, although... If you're really serious about learning a language, you'll know that these reasons are usually just excuses, really. But there are reasons, like people say that they find it hard to find the time to do plenty of listening, or they don't really understand how podcasts work, they don't know how to get them on their phones, or because they just don't really know what to listen to. That's one of the main things. Even if there is a lot of content out there, 
people don't quite know what to listen to. They might not know how to listen from a technical side, and they just don't take the initiative to do it. They don't go out of their way to find audio content and make listening to it part of their lifestyle, which is a pity because it can make a massive difference to your oral English. I mean, how can anyone expect to be able to operate in English as a spoken language without investing time in just listening to the language on a regular basis? Perhaps this is a symptom of learning English in a classroom, and I'm talking about people I've met over the years in classes. So maybe this is just a symptom of learning English in a classroom because you sign up to the course, you pay your money, and then that's it. The time you spend in class is the time that you spend on putting English into your life. You've kind of like ring-fenced that time as your English time. But we know, don't we? I mean, everyone knows that to get real progress, you have to bring English into your life on a more regular basis. It's not just about going into a room, but it's about getting English into your lifestyle in a more personal way, um, in a way that kind of works for you long-term, connecting with the language as often as possible, reading it, listening to it, using it in speaking and in writing, and dealing with the kind of English that people actually use, the living English that people actually use in conversation, rather than just reading grammar rules or doing translations or doing pre-prepared exercises with no context and none of the real sort of nitty-gritty of language being used to communicate ideas between people. So that's one of the reasons I started this podcast. I wanted learners of English to just listen to more English and real conversations with language occurring spontaneously all given within a sort of personal context, as if you're sitting down with some friends in a cafe or a pub, almost like being there yourself, but done with learners of English in mind, the kind of content that's produced for you. Um, So the idea has always been to encourage people to just listen to more English regularly, using content that's been designed for you with you in mind. So that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. I could explain it in a more complex way, talking about language language acquisition theory or intake versus input or other methods and approaches to learning with audio. But to keep it simple, the principle is just listening to English being spoken and doing it regularly for longer periods of time can show real improvement as a consequence in terms of how you notice language, how you absorb vocabulary and features of pronunciation, how the language can become like a sort of voice that runs through your head and how this can transfer into your speaking and pronunciation. So it's about connecting with the English language as a living force. Yes, uh, I know it's starting to sound like Star Wars now, isn't it? Uh, English as a living force. Uh, But yes, so anyway, I'm going to move on. I just wanted to give you some encouragement here to keep listening and to remind you that there is method to the madness here, okay? I'm a professional, I know what I'm doing, and you can trust me, I'm an English teacher. So let me tell you about what you can hear on the podcast today as part of your English learning routine. In this episode, I'm talking to Andy Johnson again who I expect you already know from previous episodes. If you don't know Andy, then it would be a good idea to check out his past appearances on this podcast. And you can search the episode archive on the website for the other episodes with Andy. In fact, here's a quick tip 
about searching the episode archive that some of you may already know, but I'm sure that many others aren't aware of. So if you've got to the episode archive, which you'll notice on my website is very long because I've got over 500 episodes, uh, it might be difficult to search for certain things. But it's possible to use the search function uh, which is on any good uh, internet browser, you know, Chrome or uh, Safari or Firefox or even Internet Explorer. Uh, they've all got this function. If you're looking for a particular word on any website, any web page, including my episode archive, teacherluke.co.uk slash archive. Uh, if you want to search for certain keywords like grammar or Andy or Amber or idioms, or something, if you're looking for episodes with those things, for example, here's what you can do. And this will work on any website uh, on the internet. So if you're using a Mac, you just press Command F, then type the word that you're looking for in the little search bar that appears. Let's say that you search for Andy, because you're looking for episodes with Andy Johnson. So Command F, search for Andy, press enter, and then all the instances of Andy on that page will will be highlighted on your screen, and you can switch between them all using the arrows that will appear on your browser. So you can just go bing, 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 you can find all of the episodes featuring the word Andy, and that's how you would find, um, you know, all those episodes in the the extensive archive. So that's Mac, Command F. On a PC so a computer that's not a Mac, uh, it's Control-F, and then you search for the word. Okay, and then all the times the word Andy is on that page will be highlighted, making it really easy to find episodes with Andy. Um, All right, so just a little tip there for searching the episode archive. Now then, why is this episode called The M Word? Any idea? Any idea why this episode is called The M Word? What could that M stand for? If you've heard previous episodes with Andy, you'll know that we always seem to talk about roughly the same things every time. There are just certain themes that usually come up in my conversations with Andy. Do you know what they are? Coincidentally enough, they all begin with the letter M. So, what has Andy mentioned before on this podcast that starts with an M? Well, have a listen, because Andy has a few stories to share with you all of them relating in some way to the letter M. So now, without any further ado, let's get started with some more English listening practice. Andy Johnson, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very, very well. How are you? I'm very, very well as well. Last time you were on this podcast, we talked a little bit about how you were preparing for the London Marathon, one of the biggest events of the year uh, in the UK, the big London Marathon. Um, So um, what I'd like to know is how it was. What happened? How did it go? Um, Did you finish? I mean, are you still running it? (laughs) I narrowly missed out on winning by just under three hours. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. It was amazing. In fact, I was, you know what I was thinking, um, you know, the way you give your podcast episodes, um, like a little title every time. Yeah. So I thought of one for this episode. Okay. You could call it the M word, the M word, because the M word, because I've realized that every time I'm on this podcast, I talk about three things. Yes. All beginning with M. Uh huh. 
So one of them is the marathon. Mm-hmm. What, what, what are the other two, Luke? Millennials. Millennials is another one, yeah. <laughs> and the third one is obviously Moby. Exactly, yeah. So I thought, you know, and I've got, um, I've got updates on both Millennials and Moby for you in this episode as Wonderful. well as the marathon. So there you go. So um, we, we can call this episode the M word. Okay, fantastic. That's great. So let's start with the first M word then, which is marathon. So give, yes. us, give us the whole story. I'd like to know the entire story, please. I want it in, in full detail from start to finish. It's five hours long. Great. What, the marathon or the story? Well, my, well, I, okay. Well, the, the, the story, you know, the marathon itself, I came, I finished um, in the magical four hour, 58 minute bracket, mm-hmm. which all the pros do. So I came in just under five hours. But um, in the in the lead up to the marathon, um, the marathon was on Sunday, the 22nd of April. Yeah. And I it was my birthday on the Tuesday before. And I was away. I was in Bologna for for work. Have you have you ever been to Bologna? No, uh, oh, I've man. eaten I've eaten uh, uh, many oh, foods. Don't don't don't, from... don't don't say it. You can't say it. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. You've eaten what? Italian food, spaghetti bolognese. Oh. It doesn't come from Bologna, does it? Well, bolognese does, but oh. you, you don't you don't eat it with spaghetti. So really, um, you're not supposed yeah, to eat yeah, it with yeah, spaghetti. Yeah. I I'm, I imagine you've got Italian listeners who will know this already, but I'm, you may even have some from Bologna. But I learned while I was out there that spaghetti bolognese is is like an abomination. It's oh. it's it's one of those things that because you know in 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 you've got to choose the right pasta for your sauce, and because right. it's like meaty, it, spaghetti is the wrong thing for it. So you can't get spaghetti bolognese anywhere in Bologna. Really? Unfortunately, I knew this, but my colleague didn't and ordered spaghetti bolognese. And, and he's dead now. He's dead now. <laughs> it's the same colleague, actually. It's the same colleague that <laughs> ordered a cappuccino after his lunch. And um, and you, so this again, this is this is cappuccino is, is a breakfast drink. And there was an Italian couple on the next table and there was there was four of us in the group and two of them spoke Italian. Myself, my colleague and I didn't, but my colleague ordered a, a, a cappuccino and the couple on the table next to them just went, oh, look at that. That's disgusting. In, Ita- in Italian. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. So I was I was in Bologna for work and I was there for just one night and um, I really wanted to get one final training run in before the marathon so this would have been this would have been the wednesday morning mm. i didn't really want to run later than that just so i had a bit of time to rest and everything so um i was in meetings all day so i thought well i've got to go early in the morning uh, but i didn't know where to go running in bologna so before i left i, I managed to find this um this company uh, who do guided running tours around bologna mm. at seven o'clock in the morning and i thought well this is brilliant because i get to do a little bit of sightseeing as well because bologna is a really interesting place it's completely underrated. I'd, I'd never really. It's not a place I would have chosen to go to, but I strongly recommend it. Yeah. Well, just, so, sorry, very very quickly for those people yeah. who don't know, because they might be in different parts of the world. Where sure, is sure. it? Where is it? It's in Italy. Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh God, I knew you'd ask me that now. I, I, uh, I, can, I can I can I can help out here because I have this thing called Google Maps here. It's sort of in the north of, of it's, Italy. Yeah, it's, it's south it, of Venice, not far from Florence. Is that right? Yeah, it's sort of in 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 a in the between. Let's say Florence in the south and Venice in the north. Parma uh, to the uh, to the west. 
Um, so it's let's say it's between Venice and Florence, um, yeah, in the north of Italy. Yeah, and it, it's it's famous for many things. Not it's very famous for its food, mm. but also it's famous for its porticos. Now porticos are like the covered walkways that you get in many cities, and it's not the first city in the world to have these covered walkways. But it's got, I think, it's got more kilometers of covered walkway than anywhere else in the world mm. so all the streets you have these covered walkways and it was interesting the guide was telling me that um the reason why is for money because the um the the people in the in the apartments would build out so they sort of build on top of their balconies and that's how they would that's how they created all these porticos so um but yeah really really interesting area it's also got the, the world's oldest university as well oh wow so I, I booked on this running tour and um, uh, I had to I kind of got set my alarm nice and early. There's a reason I'm telling this story because mm. it all relates to the marathon. Mm. And I got out of bed, had a banana, drink of water, put my running stuff on. And then I had to run down to meet the guide in like, in the main square in, yeah. in Bologna at seven o'clock. Yeah. And as I was running down, um, it, was be- it was a beautiful morning. It was like the city was just waking up. It was nice and warm. And I felt like I was the only person out. It was, it was just, it was really nice. And as I was running down to meet him, I felt my calf muscle like pop. Oh. And it was so painful. It was really, really painful that I had to stop and I was hobbling along. Oh, no. And I managed to meet the guy, the guide, and I said, look, I'm, I think I might have hurt myself. And he said, oh, no, no, don't worry, it's fine. We're doing a really gentle run, so you'll be okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> he's an expert. I'm he's sure an he, expert, yeah. Sure, he, he's the leader of this tour. I'm sure he knows all of my physiological uh, issues. Yeah, so we, we did a 90-minute run, and I was in quite a lot of pain. And, and it was my final training run before the marathon, considering I've been training for like over six months. And I thought, oh, I can't believe that I've hurt myself. Mm, yeah, yeah, you must have been gutted. I was. I was really gutted. And the point where I thought, I don't know if I can do this marathon. And I thought, no, 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 don't be silly. Even if you have to walk it, you'll be able to do it. Yeah. So I flew home that night. And um, the next day, this was the Thursday, I after work, I had to go to the marathon expo now the marathon expo is like a big you have to go there to pick up your running number and your timing chip and all those kinds of things but also there's there's loads of um uh like exhibitions and um suppliers selling stuff so i got like a some a compression sock for my for my calf to kind of help it heal can i sorry can i just ask you yeah yeah yeah, sure just to tell us exactly uh where the injury was because you said there you you had to get a compression sock for your calf and you said earlier that when you were running in in bologna there in the morning you you felt your calf go pop so where is the calf and and do you know exactly what had happened to it so what it was it the calf is the muscle on the back of your leg so in the in the the bottom part below the knee the Mm -hmm. back of the leg that's your calf muscle okay and I've never, in all the years I've been running, I've never had any issues with my calves. Spelling, I've had other injuries. You've got to C-A- say this. Sorry, go on. C-A-L-F. Okay. All right. And what I'd done is I'd, I'd strained it. I had a calf strain. So um, I Googled, like, how long does a calf strain take to heal? And it was four to 12 weeks. Oh. And I was running a marathon in four days. So I was like, oh, man. So I went to the expo and I got like a compression sock. And that's like a it's like a a really tight sock that supports it and helps it heal quickly. Mm -hmm. And I had a massage at the at the marathon expo. Mm -hmm. 
and the guy was like, well, I, I don't think it's too bad. Um, but you, you know, you, you just see how it goes over the next couple of days. Mm. And, um, as I've talked about on previous podcasts, the whole reason for me running the marathon was to raise money for charity. So there was a lot of pressure on me mm. to, to, to make sure I was able to do this. Yeah. And the, the charity I was running for was, um, uh, the hospital where I had a lot of uh, treatment for for cancer, which I and it was actually the same leg, yeah, where uh, that was where the calf had strained. Right. So anyway, this 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 masseuse was was giving me a sports massage, and he was asking me about my leg because it's clear that it's a, it's a little bit thinner than the other one, and there's a big scar there as well. Yeah. yeah. So I was telling him what happened, and he said, um, he goes, I do a lot of work with para athletes. So para athlete, you know, the Paralympics. Mm-hmm. This is the this is for athletes who have some kind of disability or who are not able-bodied yeah so 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 he said oh yeah so i do i do a lot of work with para-athletes and i think you'd be eligible what (laughs) what (laughs) what (laughs) don't say this to me three days before i'm taking part in an (laughs) able-bodied event for a start but so he says yeah yeah i think you know you if for the cycling events you'd be eligible so I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realize my, 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 uh, my leg was, was that bad. I felt, yeah. oh, I felt it was all right. But anyway, so that was, that was one thing. But so that was a Thursday. And then the Friday night, it was a real race against time to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to see my other physio and he said, yeah, it's going to be okay. You'll be all right. Uh, you're going to be pain. It's going to be painful, but you'll be okay. Yeah. And he gave me some strapping. So they put like uh, sports tape on the back of your leg to kind of support it. Yeah. So I felt kind of um, as good as I could do going into the race, mm. but then on on the day itself, it was it was fine. It was it was painful for probably the first ten kilometers, and then the pain just went away. It was wow. it was quite amazing. So yeah, because it was strapped up and supported, it was it kind of really helped it. Um, it, it kind of psychologically, it was it made it feel much stronger than it probably was. Right. Yeah, I see. But yeah, it was just a, it was just a sharp pain. But um, yeah, it was it was I never felt in trouble. Good. And because um, I don't know if you saw the London Marathon, but it was the other thing that the other challenging thing that nobody kind of expected was that it was the hottest London Marathon ever. Right. Yeah. There was a heat wave uh, on that weekend. Yeah. And, you know, which is great if you're watching a marathon, but running a marathon in that kind of heat was was hard work it was really really hard work so i suppose you've got to get lots of fluids into your body because you dehydrate in in high temperatures like that i mean i say high temperatures i bet it wasn't uh it compared to many other countries it probably wasn't that hot but... no no it wasn't it wasn't i mean it was about 26 27 degrees oh all right yeah but then when you're running your body kind of um runs at 10 to 15 degrees warmer than that so um and the thing is there's no shade there's, there's, there's two things that make it really hot. There's no shade on the course. Everything is – there's no shadow, so you can't cool down. Mm. But also the heat generated by all the runners, because you're constantly running in big crowds of people, yeah. makes it feel even hotter. So it, it was really tough, and a lot of people um, struggled. A lot of people didn't finish. Yeah, I see. But um, I just decided that I was going to run really, really slowly. So I went, I went, because when I did the marathon nine years ago, I did the first half in under two hours. And then the second half took me three and a half. Yeah. You said that before. Yeah. So, so this time I decided that I was just going to start off really, really slowly and try and save as much energy as I could. And it worked. It was, it was brilliant. So I did the, I more or less did the same. I did two hours, 
20, I think, for the first half, and then two hours 35, two hours 36 for the second half, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty good. And I never really felt in any kind of trouble. Um, my fastest kilometer was kilometer six and kilometer 42. So the last kilometer was my fastest. Wow. Joint fastest kilometer because I had like I, I managed to sort of save enough energy and it was it was great. It, it, it wasn't easy, but it was great. I just really, really, really enjoyed it this time much more than I have done in the past. So the the comparison with previous times would be, I suppose, that previously you, you kind of uh, used up too much energy at the beginning and then you yeah. made, did uh, and you, you probably hit a wall. Yes, definitely. Did, did you hit a wall this time? No, no, I didn't. It wow. was it was quite amazing. I um, the only time I had kind of felt a little bit rough was I was I was there was lots of emails going out from the organisers in the days before the event about how much how to you need to take on extra water. So I kept um, every uh, there were they gave there were extra water stations and they said what you should do is sip and then so take a drink and then pour it over your head. Mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so every single drink station i was doing that to try and stay cool and everything yeah but it got to the point in the second half where i kept needing to stop to go to the toilet <laughs> <laughs> i was drinking too much water so then i thought right i'm going to stop drinking water this was around about 18 miles and then about 20 miles so this would have been 32 kilometers 33 kilometers i began to feel a bit lightheaded mm. so i had to walk for a little while and just take on a lot more water and drink and until I felt better. And then I started running again and it was fine. And yeah, I really, the last four miles was brilliant. I really, well, the whole thing was brilliant, but the last four miles I felt really good. So the last eight kilometers or so felt really, really good. Felt really strong, happy. It was, it was just, it was amazing. Wow. So mate, I mean, how much of that do you think, um, was mental? Um, Because maybe you expected, it to be more difficult than it was because of your injury and the injury in the in the days leading up to the marathon had kind of the injury was what you were thinking about and you were concerned about it and then when it actually came down to doing it because you your expectations were that it would be more difficult uh that meant that when you actually experienced it it was less difficult than you expected you see what i mean so I see what you mean you know it's yeah. all about expectations and sort of managing expectations if you expect something to be more challenging then the 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 feeling the relative challenge um is maybe easier you know do you think that had yeah. anything to do with it? the 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 mental um process you were going through as you went into the marathon may have contributed to it being slightly easier than you had thought possibly i'd say there's two things there's two bits of yeah there's two things to say about that i think the first thing is that when you when you have an injury at the last minute your your mindset kind of changes to let's not worry about a time let's not worry about trying to you know beat a time but also the heat as well yeah that was another reason why a lot of people thought well let's just just take it easy and just concentrate on finishing and that kind of makes you feel a, a bit more relaxed in a way yeah yeah interesting that but the fact that I've done the marathon before and I knew how hard the second part was made me take the do the first half very very slowly mm-hmm. um and that was i think the best part that was the best thing i could have done because yeah. it just it just made the whole experience much more enjoyable that's great that's really so, good yeah. so and the, you, and you you managed to finish and uh you know you felt like you'd uh, uh fulfilled the 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 promise of running the marathon for charity and all that stuff yeah so that's no good. definitely yeah i mean the um the the 
the the I hit my sponsorship target on the morning of the race as well. So I had a sponsorship target, and um, I, every time every time somebody donated, I get a little message through on my on my phone. Mm. So when I was walking up to the start line, I got a message to say that I just hit my target. So that was that gave me a real boost as well. Yeah. Um, but the because because it was so warm, the crowds were amazing i think everybody in london seemed to come out to watch the marathon and there were parts there were parts of the course where you just the noise of the crowd was just incredible and because i was running with my name on my shirt everybody was like cheering me yeah and so people kept saying come on andy come on andy and then every now and again somebody had used my full name and like somebody i was i can't remember where i was it was like maybe seven or eight miles into the race and somebody went come on andy johnson and i turned around and it was a guy I went to school with and I haven't seen him for like 15 years. It was no. amazing. I was like, well, he just happened to be out watching the marathon and he saw me and recognized me. It was, that was really cool. Wow. And then a bit further on, there were these two girls who were shouting, come on, Andy Johnson. And I had no idea who they were. <laughs> <laughs> no idea who they were, but I looked at them and they like cheered and they were, they were like, come on, Andy Johnson. And I had just no idea who they were. You didn't want that to was... shout back and say, do you listen to Luke's English podcast? Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> so yeah. yeah but um so all that kind of stuff and and the thing about the marathon in london is you i mean it's not all you know you don't go past big bet we well, do go past big ben but it's not sort of you're not constantly going past all the london landmarks you do a lot of stuff around east london which isn't that pretty mm. but there are parts of the course like for example in Greenwich that's the first kind of really busy part for crowds and that mm. comes about 10 kilometers in and the crowds there were astonishing just amazing and then I saw I saw my family at um around about 18 kilometers and that was great to see them yeah. and they were they were they were excited and then coming over Tower Bridge Tower Bridge is halfway yeah and the crowds on the bridge were just the noise was you know it, it, I was I was speechless. Not that I was talking while I was running, but no, I was just going, wow, this is, this is incredible. And then of course, as you come back or, you know, you go past the the tower of London and you go all the way along the embankment and past big Ben and the, just the noise was brilliant. Really, really good. So. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, um, going over tower bridge anyway on a normal day is pretty special. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the best, it's one of my favorite places in London because the bridge is just so, it's just so brilliant. It looks amazing. And, you know, you get the views of, of uh, the different buildings in London from there and stuff like that, but running across it with those crowds of people must just be incredible. Mm. Yeah. What a, Mm. what a great experience. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was really, really incredible. And the other thing as well that always, it, inspires me is is the other runners that are on the course as well yeah so there were more world record attempts than any other year yeah so and so if a runner so for example the the one that got a lot of coverage in the news here was the there was a guy who did the race dressed as forrest gump <laughs> and he set a world record for the fastest marathon in fancy dress Right, and of course, everyone was shouting, run, Forrest, run! Exactly, yeah, exactly. Run, Forrest, run! Run, Forrest! Run, Forrest, run! Perfect. I ran past a guy dressed as Jesus. Yeah, okay. I mean, he was running barefoot with a cross on his back. No, really? Which was, yeah, 
which oh, was quite incredible. There was yeah. a guy. There was a guy running in ski boots. No, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not joking you. I'm not joking. You. And, ski and, boots. And and the thing is, the people who were doing, they have like a little sticker on their on their on their vest which says "World Record Attempt." Yeah. And he was he was one. There was a woman on wearing stilts. Wait a minute, ski boots. Ski I mean, boots. bloody hell! I can't even walk across the room in ski boots. Yeah, he was doing the whole marathon in them. Oh, that's got to be dangerous. He was more or less walking. I mean, he was walking when I saw him, and I ran past him quite early on as well, oh. maybe about seven or eight miles in. And he was just walking. He was looking quite angry. Yeah, I mean, that would be horrible. That would just be a really, really painful and awkward experience. But that was a world record attempt. So what is that it? Was like, world- what, fastest the- marathon wearing ski boots? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh. That's exactly it. There was, a guy, there was a guy dressed as a toilet. <laughs> Is he, he had like he had he had like he made it like um so he was running and in front of him was like the seat mm-hmm. and then up his back he had the the pipe and the the thing that you flush yeah the system above him yeah so he was running and yeah it was it was amazing there was there was a so sorry a, a, a person on stilts as well person on stilts yeah how, she was how, she was how, doing how tall were the stilts uh I'd say maybe two meters tall. That's so true. she was she was towering above everybody. So um, I saw her actually in the ski boots guy, more or less in the same place. Yeah, uh, there was these. There were three people who were doing a world record attempt for the fastest marathon while singing the whole way. So they were they had like guitars and they were like buskers. You know, like yeah. a one man band where you've got like a drum on your back. Yeah, and you've got bells on your knees. Yeah, and he was playing. So there were three of them and they were they were playing music and singing. That was quite incredible. Oh, um yeah you know and it is i have i really admired that because um running in the heat was hard but if you were doing any kind of fancy dress yeah costume thing do you know do you remember the wombles i do remember the wombles they were i don't know what the, they they were wombles right i mean they're not any kind of real animal but the wombles no. was like a tv show i guess a kids tv show yeah and they were like these creatures that looked a little bit like like sort of um, rodents of some kind. Yeah. They lived in in Wimbledon Common in London. The, yeah. the the Wombles of Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. There was a guy dressed as a Womble, <laughs> and um, Wombles are like really furry creatures. Yeah. yeah. So he had this big costume on, and it was like it was really thick and furry. Yeah. And I ran past him. We just coming out of Canary Wharf, so maybe. This was coming up to 30 kilometers, so quite far in. Yeah. And I ran past him. And I looked back at him and I could see his face through the costume and he was white as a sheet. Oh, God. He looked, he looked like a ghost. He just looked really unhappy and really unwell. So, I think, you know, that kind of stuff, you really feel quite inspired by them. So even when you're doing the marathon yourself, you feel inspired by what other people are putting themselves through. Because these people are doing this for charity, right? Yeah. I mean, so they're, yeah, they're, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing something difficult in order to raise money for charity. Uh, yeah. All right. So yeah, that is, that is pretty inspiring that yeah. someone would put themselves through that level of, first of all, that level of physical challenge. And secondly, to kind of make a fool of yourself in public in that way. It's uh, yeah, the spirit of it is, is great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's um, London on days like that is amazing. It makes you really proud of your city. It makes you really proud of where you live. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. and of course, um, lots of. I think next year, over about half a million people have applied to run the marathon. Whoa! 
and there's only I think there's forty thousand, forty five thousand places. So wow. it's it was I think it was a really good year for the organisers because London looked amazing in, in the sunshine and it was it, the, the crowds were amazing and I think there were so many world record attempts that it really inspired a lot of people mm. to enter next year, which is which is great. I mean, unfortunately, most of them won't get a place because of the, the way it works. But um, yeah, so it was a very good day, really good day. Wow, that's brilliant. So um, are you going to do the next one? I've entered. I've entered the ballot. I, I, we'll see. I was I was chatting to my friend Dara, who also ran the marathon, and um, it was his first London marathon. He, he said it was amazing, and he we both entered um, for next year. But he said to me, and I think this is true. He said, you know, I won't be that disappointed if I don't get a place <laughs> because <laughs> it's sort of it is hard. It, it it's tough. It, it it takes up so much of your time. It yeah. takes up you know so much all your free time is running 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 yeah. so i'd love to do it again um if it's if i don't do it next year though that will be okay i'll be quite happy to skip a year or two maybe wait another 10 years like i did last time yeah yeah okay so since doing the marathon which is um which is at the end of april so it's i guess about two or three weeks ago now um what have you been doing because you obviously have to train before a big event like that but do you not have to kind of train down because if you isn't it unhealthy if you just stop doing exercise after you've been regularly running long distances? Are you, it's true. Yeah, yeah. You, you you have to do something called active recovery. Mm-hmm. And active recovery is it can be a number of things. But for me, I w- I went cycling the next day, yeah, uh, very slowly. But you know, I cycled to work, cycled back, and then I had a sports massage. And I've been out running a couple of times since. I took two weeks off the running, but I did um, quite a lot of cycling and walking and so on. Yeah. Um, and I mean, today, what we we are three weeks. It's almost four weeks since the marathon. So I was I was sore. I was I was very very. My legs were very sore on the Monday and the Tuesday, particularly going downstairs. That was quite amusing for people to watch me go downstairs. <laughs> But yeah. to be honest, by Wednesday, I was more or less back to normal by Wednesday. So it was, um, I've, I've, you know, I, I felt that I was, I was quite fortunate, really. I've, I, even though I had a, a small injury going in, I didn't hurt myself anymore. I managed to finish. I enjoyed it. I should say as well that I was, despite starting off slowly, mm-hmm. the fact that I didn't hit the wall, I was half an hour faster than I was in 2009. Really? So that was good. And I think you know I could probably knock off another half an hour if it was if it was cooler and if my leg was okay. So I would like to do it again because I think I can get closer to four hours. Um, but anyway, that's that's just my personal goal. I, I guess it's not really that important. It's more about finishing it. Can Can I ask how much you raised for the charity? Yes. Yeah, so in the end, so as I said, um, on the morning of the race, I hit my target, which was two thousand pounds, and then. It, what was quite amazing is I had a lot of people sponsor me after the event. So in the week yeah. and the two weeks afterwards, I added another 500, 600 pounds oh, to that. Right. Well done. Including some of your listeners as well. So I'd like oh. to say thank you to them, if I may. Please do. Okay. Can I, can I thank them all individually? Absolutely. There, there's not that many, so it, it won't take too long. And I'm, I'm not going to use their full names for, okay. for privacy reasons. But I yeah. want to thank Maria who sent me a very nice message saying best of luck on the 22nd of April. I'm sure you're going to make it from a Lepster. That's nice. And she's right. I did make it. Yeah. And then um, somebody called Sandra and she said, thanks for doing an amazing job. Uh, you're very welcome. 
And then I had a message from Valentine, and he said, please keep on doing it. Now, <laughs> I like the message, but if it's okay with you, Valentine, I am going to stop doing it now. <laughs> what, doing the, the, the running? Doing the marathon. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stop the marathon. I've finished it now, so I'm going to stop doing it. Do you think that's what Valentine meant when he said to keep on doing it? Like keep on running because you know it could, uh, could have been other things as well. Just generally, just keep on doing it. Whatever it is you're doing, just keep on doing that. Just, uh, just keep on doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Evgeny uh, sponsored me. Didn't leave a message, but thank you very much. Um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I know I am, but I think it's Gyro or Yairo. Um, Spanish. Uh, he sponsored me as well. Sent me a very nice message um, on Facebook, and. Then Christina, she said, hi, Andy, here's a donation from a Lepster. Cheers, Christina, which was very, very nice. Mm -hmm. And then the last but not least was um, Katerina or or Kat, as she's known from the the comments section. Mm -hmm. And she gave me, uh, she sent me a very, very nice message as well. So those, just want to say thank you to those guys, especially. I also uh, had about another hundred pounds in total that was donated anonymously. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people made donations but didn't leave names. So if if any of your listeners made a donation anonymously, thank you to you as well. Um, I really do appreciate it. It's very very generous of you. That's fantastic. Great. Thanks to all those listeners who who did that. That's uh, very encouraging and and very generous indeed. Wonderful. Okay. So nice. I'm very happy that uh, it all worked out well because I knew that you had um, uh, hurt your leg. Um, mm. And so, yeah, great. I'm very glad that it, it didn't prove to be a problem and that uh, it just went away, which is sort of uh, magic, magical, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it went away, but it's uh, it came back the next day, that's for sure. Oh, so. did it really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I felt it the next day. Yeah. Was, do you think there was like some adrenaline or just the general sort of mood of the moment that kind of made you forget about it? Do you definitely. Think that's, yeah. How definitely. Mu- I mean, going back to that thing of mental stuff, how much of this uh, do you think is mental? I mean, in 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 terms of doing things like running or performing in sport, um, I was reading about Steve Redgrave, mm. uh, who is an Olympic uh, champion. He won five gold medals in one Olympic Games. I think he's the guy. He may hold the Olympic record for uh, the guy who's won more Olympic medals in his career than anyone else ever. No, I think he, I think he's got the record for. He's won gold medals at more Olympic Games. Okay. Because he did something like, he did five Olympic Games in a row, so to over 20 years, and he won gold medals at each of them. But I think people like Michael Phelps, the swimmer, have won more individual gold medals. I, I see. Because they just they enter more events, don't they? Right, and and he's just extraordinary, and he just wins everything he does. Yeah, he's uh, a fish. St- he's actually a fish, yeah. He is you know, a fish. Do you remember Kevin uh, Costner in Waterworld? Yeah. <laughs> That's Michael Phelps, isn't it? It's like that. Did you see the Michael? Sorry, we're going off track here. Did you right. see the Michael Phelps documentary where he raced a shark? No. Oh man! Pray, pray tell the story. It's such a load of rubbish. So they did this thing where they were supposedly going to have a race between a great white shark and Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. And the way it was advertised is that they were going to be in the sea at the same time, okay. and they'd be racing each other. And of course, everyone's thinking this is going to be good because a shark's a wild animal. And he might eat Michael Phelps. Yeah, and like we don't but, care about whether how many gold medals he's won. Like uh, we we'd still really like to see him get eaten by a shark. Well, yeah, but it's like you know, 
who's going to win is less important as to whether he's going to get eaten or not. Yeah. Because it's that, that kind of fascination, isn't it? That, anyway, so if you if you look at it on YouTube, it's such a it's such a scam, right? So mm-hmm. they they filmed him swimming in open water, and then they had a CGI shark oh. next to him, and the shark won. What a basically. rip! What a rip off! Yeah, it was it was very disappointing. But was it was this CGI shark sort of very realistic? You know, was it based on numerous sort of calculations that uh, the average speed of a shark over this kind of distance? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's okay. all it was. Okay. So, so you could have you could probably could have worked out who was going to win anyway because you can you know how fast he swims and you know how fast a shark swims if you if you looked into it yourself. But yeah, it was a very disappointing program. Could have just but done. It, yeah. It's worth having a look at it on YouTube, though. Okay, I would I would have a look at it for you. Yeah. All right then. So that's the marathon then. So that's yeah, that's, that's the marathon. The, that's the first M word. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's say the next M word is millennials. Millennials. And, yeah. And, and we know from previous episodes that you have become something of an expert on the subject of uh, uh, millennials in the English language classroom. Millennials, of course. I need to define it again, just in case someone doesn't know or they've forgotten. A millennial is someone who was born roughly between 1980 and the year 2000. So it's, mm-hmm. it refers to, a, let's say, a generation of people or a kind of a, a cohort, a group of uh, people born within a certain period. And they are also known for having grown up uh, with uh, digital technology. And uh, so millennials uh, sometimes are referred to as having certain personality traits or behavioral uh, characteristics and Mm -hmm. some people uh, criticize millennials for being difficult to manage and uh, slightly self-oriented and distracted by technology and uh, some managers and things um, uh, don't really know how to deal with millennials in the workplace because they are um, you know they're a bit individualistic or that they're perceived to be um, um, sort of uh, buried in in their mobile phones Mm. and so yeah so you know millennials are the thing that people talk about and uh, as english language teachers uh, to adults we have more and more people from this age group in our classrooms and so you know presents certain challenges because you know we have to kind of uh, adapt our teaching to to meet the uh, slightly changing um, requirements that this new generation of people have right and so you've done uh, presentations on this subject before yeah uh, you did one at the iatefl conference last year uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the IOTEFL conference being basically the English language teaching community's big conference of the year. Um, so, um, right, millennials then. What do you have to tell us about millennials today? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it was, I'm kind of at the point where I just want to stop talking about millennials now. You've had enough, yeah. I've had enough of these millennials. I'm not surprised, yeah. It's been so (laughs) long you've been talking about them for ages. Well, I I shouldn't complain because I first gave this talk in 2016 Mm -hmm. and it came out of, um, I talked about this when we were in Paris. Yeah. And uh, it came out of research I was doing and it came out of um, how we were changing our language programs here at the school. Yeah. And it just really struck a chord with people. And it's, I feel a bit like, because I gave, I did a workshop yesterday on how to mentor millennials in the workplace. And I'm doing another talk next week on millennials. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's like, you know, you do stand up. Yes. And if you do the same routine over and over again, 
you begin to get a little bit bored of it, don't you? Yeah, utterly. Yeah, you get completely jaded um, because you you go through all these different phases. Like the first phase is when you've come up with some new material is like, you know, thinking, oh, will anyone find this funny? Can I remember this? And then you do it and maybe it doesn't work the first time and you kind of improve it. And the next time you go up and and it works and and it's really exciting. And then it works again and it works again and again. And it's amazing. And then you keep doing it. And then one day you're doing the routine and you don't care about it anymore and you don't really, yeah you don't really you've lost the original spirit in which you wrote it and and the stuff you're saying just doesn't really mean anything to you anymore and so you're still doing the routine but you're dead behind the eyes you're just phoning it in and the audience is still laughing and at some point you kind of think why are they laughing at this shit you know this this, <laughs> this, this bollocks and then the next performance you become complacent and you're like well i'll just do that stuff that always works uh, without even thinking about it and then you start doing it and you're so jaded and uh, you don't put any soul into it and the audience suddenly stop laughing because it's just not the th- same thing it was before and then you're there's a period where you're doing it and it's not funny anymore and it's lost its yeah. magic and then you kind of leave it for a while and you come back to it and it brings all the magic comes back and it makes people laugh again so it's really really weird yeah the relationship between the subject matter you're talking about and the way you feel about it so yeah it's the same thing for you then is it with the this millennials topic it's it's getting that way i mean i i've always every time i do it i try and come at it from a different angle so yesterday in a sense was quite good because it was more about um more focusing on how we manage them not how we teach them yeah and the, the same will be next week as well so i'm 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 kind of keeping it interesting for myself but there is there isn't a part of me that's like oh god i just want to move on now i want to talk about something else yeah yeah of course and so um did you go to IATEFL this year? I did. I did. And I gave a different talk, which was good. Okay. So, well, actually, you know what? You, you, your listeners will, if, who have, if they listen to previous episodes, will probably know what I spoke about. So if you remember, I did, um, I did a thing on self-directed learning and mm-hmm. many of your listeners contributed by filling in a questionnaire for me. Yeah. So I did a version of that. I used some of the research and talked about that um and it was good it was good actually it was it was nice it was um it was basically a talk where i showed a lot of clips of online learning and uh how people learn online as well yeah and i talked a little bit about you and your podcast yeah. and shared some of the research from your listeners as well yeah, cool. and yeah it was it was good it was it was well received the the conference was in brighton this year yeah so it was the opposite ends of the country. Last year it was in Glasgow, up in the north, in yeah. Scotland. And this time we were right on the south coast. And I was speaking in the restaurant. So the conference centre has all these different rooms. And the room I was in was called the restaurant. Really? It wasn't, it wasn't a restaurant, but, you oh. know, there was, it can be used for that way. But it had the most amazing view. Mm. It had, like, floor-to-ceiling windows all the way along one wall. And you could just look out to the sea. And all the way through my talk, it was a beautiful day. The day I was speaking was a really sunny, warm day, like unusually warm for April in the UK. Mm -hmm. And as I was talking, I kept like out the corner of my eye. I could see there was this guy on a jet ski just dicking about. (laughs) He's like, you know, zooming up and down along the coastline. And it was it was it was just bizarre. It's like all the things that you think are going to put you off during a talk in in the uk in spring it's not a guy on a jet ski yeah 
Were, were you tempted to talk about it? Because if, if I'd been there, I know that I, I wouldn't have been able to help myself. I would have had to say something about the guy on the jet ski. And then everyone would be looking at the guy on the jet ski and I'd be kind of making a joke and no one would, would laugh at it. And then I'd feel bad. So uh, did you, did, were you tempted to re- refer to it? I resisted the urge. I really did. Because for precisely that reason, I thought if I point this out, that's it. I've lost them. Yeah. I've yeah. lost them. Yeah. But, yeah and I, exactly. I and I was it was I only had like a I only had 30 minutes for this talk and I had a lot to get through. So it was when I was showing one of the clips that's when I saw the guy like jumping up and down and bouncing across the waves and I thought I'm not I can't say anything. I can't I just hope nobody notices but I can't say anything. Ignore the jet ski. Just ignore the jet ski. Yeah. Ignore the jet ski. But you know what? It's, oh, I meant to tell you this. Something really weird happened to me. Yes. Um at Iotefel in Brighton. Uh-huh. So I after my talk I got chatting to um somebody that i knew and we were downstairs in like in the main hall of the conference yeah yeah and these these two girls walked past i'd say they were probably korean i'm not sure mm-hmm. and they kind of stopped in their tracks when they saw me and then like they giggled and i'm like oh. and i looked behind me and there was nobody behind me and i thought that's strange so i carried on talking to my friend and they were kind of like they they were giggling to themselves and talking and then they kind of were sort of slowly walking around and looking at me again, then sort of running off again. And I thought, what is going on? This is really, really strange. So I, I went, I went outside and I was on the phone to um, my wife, actually I was calling my wife mm-hmm. to let her know how my talk went. And they came outside again and they kind of walked past me and then they came back the other way, came back the other way, walked past me again and they kept looking. And then they did that really weird thing where, have you ever done this where, you 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 pretend to take a picture of somebody but really you're taking a picture of something in the background yeah because um uh when we were in in paris at the bsig uh, uh symposium i think was it bsig i can't remember when we were at the conference in paris that time and david crystal was there oh we did it yeah yeah you took a picture of me but it was clearly a, a picture of david crystal in the background <laughs> and he totally knew as well yeah he totally knew yeah well they did that to me they were like she was taking a picture of a friend, but I was like, the camera's not even pointing at your friend. You're not even doing a good job. Yeah, here. yeah. What's so, going on? I don't know. So anyway, then they. I was still on the phone, and they walked off because I was going to sort of say, "Can I help you? <laughs> is everything okay?" But I, I don't know. And I don't. And the only thing I can think of mm-hmm. is well, there's two things they could have thought. Three things. That, I think three things. But go on. Three two, things. Two things. Go on. You start. Start with the two things. Okay, well, but, well, the, okay. The third thing is, I thought that maybe they were thinking, oh, his his eyes are very deep in his skull. <laughs> his eyes are so deep in his skull. Quick, get a photo. What a freak! Why are his eyes so deep in his skull? I've no, forgotten just, about that. Just kidding. Yeah, I thought you know they either thought that bloke's Moby, yeah, or or they thought or they I don't know or maybe they. They knew me from the podcast. I don't know, but it's it's the closest mm. thing I've ever had to 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 being famous. Probably for all the wrong reasons, but um, wow, yeah, it was very strange. So if 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 it was you, if you're listening to this now, it was very sweet and it was very flattering. But please come and say hello next time. Yeah, you could have just gone up to him and said, "Excuse me, are you the famous Andy Johnson from episodes <laughs> certain episodes of uh, Luke's English Podcast? We can <laughs> can we have a selfie with you?" You know, would you like to come back? Would you like to come back to our hotel room? I mean, um, can we just get a selfie? Just a selfie. Yeah, yeah. He's a married man. (laughs) Yes, yes. Either Um, either that, or they thought you were Moby. But uh, I think it's. I think that uh, you're becoming famous in your own right now. 
No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But because um, it, it was because it was IOTEFL and they were both at the conference. Yeah, that's the that's why I thought maybe they were your listeners. I don't. I, but I don't know. Right, I don't know because I know I know that you have a lot of teachers listen to you. I know you have a lot of learners of English as well listen to you. Yeah, you just I mean, have a you just have a lot of people listen to you. Basically, it, it being a it being a an English language teaching conference, um, the the biggest. English language teaching conference around uh, I wouldn't be surprised if someone had recognized you from the podcast I mean if you know I don't know how many people at the at the conference would really listen to this but uh, if there were some let's say Korean uh, teachers of English or even Korean enthusiasts for learning English who who were attending there's a good chance that they'd be uh, listeners to the podcast maybe they attended just because they were fans of you maybe they were like you know in Korea there there's the Andy Johnson fan club over there in South Korea, and they're, they're uh, you know, they have weekly meetings and stuff, and maybe a couple of them were like, right, we've located Andy, he's going to be at the IOTEFL conference, let's go and take bad selfies uh, in front of him. Uh, it, it, it's an interesting theory, but it's a flawed one, because they didn't actually come to my talk. Oh, really? No, they weren't in my talk. Oh, I see. <laughs> so they just sort of um, kind of saw you and by coincidence. Yeah, it's a bit it of a It was mystery. really like, a, oh, who's that guy? And then because oh, that was the other thing, because the first time they came through, they were they were trying to see my badge as well. That was the other thing. They're ah. trying to read the name on my, we, we all have to wear these um, these lanyards, these badges. Yeah. So the first time they were like trying to get close enough to see the name on my badge. And then when they saw it, they were like giggling away. So it's, it was it was very, very strange. I but, think um, I think they were lepsters. You think so? Yeah, ninjas, ninja lepsters. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've got lots of ninjas listening to this. That's the, it's exactly the sort of thing that my ninja listeners would do, is secretly sneak around in the background, like taking photos surreptitiously. And they were rubbish ninjas. Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> they need to work on their ninja game. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. What they should have done is, like, you know, jumped up onto the ceiling and stuck on the ceiling. And because that's what a proper ninja would do, and proper ninja would dislocate his arms and legs and and hide himself inside a suitcase or something and spy on you, or or just hide in the top corner of the room, stuck to the ceiling, where no one can, and then kill you and then examine you. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that they didn't kill me. I think I got off quite lightly. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But just, just you, you said you just before you said um, nobody at ITF would know would listen to you. That's not true because um, when I introduced i had like a, a still of your podcast and your your face your mug huh. with your with your mug yeah and um i said does anyone know who this guy and most of the room knew exactly who you what were. yeah what really most of the room, room really knew? really most of the room knew who you were oh my god they were like yeah well this guy yeah no no they know yeah luke's english podcast i tell my students listen to that Wow. You know, wow, that's, so, that's that's pretty cool. I think you should you should. I've said this to you before, Luke, but you should you should um, talk at IOTEFL. I'd like to talk at IOTEFL. The only thing is, I just you know, I can't think of what I'd like to talk about. I'll tell you what, I would like to talk about. I'd like to go up and say, "So ninjas, they're kind of funny, aren't they? They you, know, you don't know where they are." Oh, but that's not really appropriate for the IOTEFL conference. Um, you can come do stand up like you did in Paris that time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I'd, I would genuinely, or joking aside, I would like to do a talk at IOTEFL. But, you know, when you're doing something like that, I, I always feel like I would need to uh, t- tell the audience something really useful. And mm. what I tend to do is, you know, on my podcast, I talk to learners of English. Mm. And um, I don't know, what do you think? What, what, what could I tell the teaching community? 
Well, you know what? It's interesting because you've got what they call imposter syndrome. Have you heard about imposter syndrome? Oh, I have heard about imposter. I've talked about imposter syndrome on the podcast. Where, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's where yeah, you yeah. feel like you don't really deserve to, to be in a certain situation. Well, you feel that yeah. you've got nothing. You feel that what you're saying is nothing new. And I think we all, anyone who speaks publicly or anyone who puts themselves across as any kind of expert has this to a certain extent. I was speaking about this with my colleague yesterday because the 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 millennials talk I was doing yesterday was not to uh, teaching professionals. It was to HR managers and HR directors. Mm -hmm. And so it was a completely different audience. And I was a bit concerned. I was a bit nervous going in doing it, but actually it was fine. And it was, um, it was really well received. So it's amazing what um, you can often feel that you like, there's no way I should be doing this. There's no, like, for example, the, um, couple of days after the marathon so this was just two three weeks ago mm-hmm. we were at um the company i work for was at a trade show mm-hmm. for cipd which is continuous professional development yeah and we were the only like english language or language school provider there it was all sorts of different training yeah. but we we gave uh, a talk on within in the conference and it was the biggest audience i've ever spoken in front of yeah and we were talking about how you um, all the different things you need to consider if you're going to do any kind of e-learning. So it wasn't even really about language. It was about all the different factors at play when you're putting in an e-learning program within a company. Mm-hmm. And my colleague and I who gave the talk, we were both like, oh, no one's going to believe us. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, because we'd never spoken about that topic in front of that kind of audience before. But it was honestly, it was professionally the best thing I've done all year. It was right. it was so amazing the response that we got and the the amount of nodding and and people coming up afterwards saying what you said was really good. I never thought of it that way before. So yeah, it was it was it was wonderful. It's fantastic. Do you, how many people were there? Do you know? Well, it was um, it was at um, Olympia, which is a big um, exhibition hall, yeah. and they had the so it was. You have all of these people who are exhibiting on the exhibition floor, and then you had what they called learning zones. And each learning zone had seats for about 200 people. Mm-hmm. And every seat was full. Yeah. But then there was people standing at the back all around yeah. the room. Yeah. So I'd say 250 people, yeah. I guess. That's good, isn't it? It's, a, it's When it goes well, that, that is yeah. a, a, a good feeling when you've got that many people and you feel the room is, is enjoying what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. special. Yeah, great. I'm glad it So went that was well. good. So I think, you know, there's there's a number of ways in that you could um that you could you could do it uh, for IATFL and we can have another conversation about this if you want, mm, but there's sure. there's all sorts you could talk about. When when is the next IATFL conference? Do you know? It's it's April. It's always, it's always a- in April. Always April. Yeah. And next year it's in Liverpool. Liverpool. I like I love Liverpool. I like Liverpool. I as well. to, the, first, to, the first time I went to IATFL was in Liverpool and it's a great city. I used to live there. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I went to university there. Four years I spent in Liverpool, um, including ah. including one year just working in the local HMV <laughs> right. on Church Street, and uh, I I came face to face with the locals every day. That oh, was wow. an, that was an experience. Let me tell you. Did you understand anything that they said? I did. Yeah, I did actually. It was fine. Um, 
but it was pretty funny just meeting all the locals it was pretty yeah. funny i was exhausted as well because i was working there full time and then i was playing yeah. music in a band in the evenings oh, and, wow. and not really looking after myself very well not eating properly and you know not getting enough sleep and stuff and so i was i would often be pretty knackered uh, while working yeah. at the hmv and i remember there was there was one time when this guy was asking me to find because you know this is back in the days before the internet or before the internet really became uh, so well used and people would come into the shop and ask you if they ha- if you had something in stock you know instead of just buying it online they'd come in and ask you and then I'd use this old computer system to search for it and um, you know this guy was like asking me for all these sort of jazz records and stuff and I was all tired and he said are you all right mate you seem tired I tell you what mate you want some of that cocaine you do. And I was like, all right, steady on, Jesus. All right, mate. Yeah, you want some of that cocaine? I was like, um, I'm not sure I do, actually. Um, and and we'd get all the kids would come in after school and they'd be really, really sort of like difficult to deal with because like yeah. local Scouse kids, like scallywags. They've they, got a reputation, haven't they? They've got a reputation. They're, they're yeah. all right, but yeah. they can be pretty cheeky and they'd be coming in. Yeah. Uh, they'd, they'd come in in, in large numbers um, yeah. and they'd swarm around you. Um, yeah. probably pick, probably stealing, you know, uh, shoplifting a little bit. And so you'd have to keep your eye on them because we had all of these, we had lots of things on the counter, you yeah. know, like various things, including uh, Pokemon cards. Right. And so they would often would target the Pokemon cards. And so they'd, a couple of them would come up to you to distract you and they'd be like, yeah, Mace, have you got any Pokemon cards? Got any Pokemon cards? But m- meanwhile, you know full well that they have identified the location of the Pokemon cards. And in fact, some of them might even be, you know, taking yeah. them from the packet. So, and the yeah, thing is as well... Pokemon, you, got, you got any more Pokemon cards, Mace? So you, you would have been, what, 19, 20 at this time? Uh, yeah, in that region, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it's so difficult at that age to really care. Because, yeah. you know, you're, like, you're working for HMV. <laughs> You're just yeah. doing it to get a bit of money in. And when, when people like that come in and start causing the trouble, you're like, oh, man, I really, I really don't want to have to deal with this. Yeah. It's, not, it's above my pay grade. Yeah, yeah that's the kind of thing, yeah. Um, uh, Ken Dodd used to come in. Did as, he now? Yeah, Ken Dodd used to come in sometimes and walk around. By the way, listeners, Ken Dodd is a, a, a very, very famous old comedian from the UK. He died this year. Mm, sadly but ken dodd was an absolute legend of comedy um and he'd been around since the early days like even the 60s 50s he was around sort of um on tv with the beatles and stuff in the 60s uh, on one occasion and uh, just an absolute legend of comedy and so yeah. he used to come in he was quite a funny character walking around Did you know um, ken ken dodd was my dad's favorite comedian yeah yeah he loved him he loved him well he's he was wonderful yeah um all right. So, okay. Marathon, Millennials, third M. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, Moby. All right. So? There's been another one. Another Moby sighting in the another area. Another Moby sighting. Well, yeah. Or, well, a, and, you know, alleged Moby sighting. Alleged Moby sighting. It, it, it's not a long story, but when I was um, going to the Marathon Expo to pick up my race number. Yeah. The, so this place in London called the uh, XL. It's a huge conference centre. It's another big conference centre like Olympia, but it's on the other side of London in East London. Mm. And there's a really long walk from the from the DLR, the the, the railway station, to the conference centre itself. You have to mm. kind of go up all these steps and down on these little tunnels. <laughs> I was just walking in, and there was this bunch of school kids coming the other way. Yeah. 
And they're like, Noby, 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 Noby. And I just, I, I thought, I'm not doing this now. I'm completely ignoring him. And they just, it just, it, they just didn't stop shouting it. Noby, Noby, why haven't you talked to us, Moby? Moby. And it was like, oh, oh. oh dear. And that's it. So, um, yeah, that, that's the, it's still, it's still ongoing. And I think it's going to be, what was amazing though, I was thinking, surely you're too young to know who Moby is. Yeah. Because he's not, you know, he's not really... He's from the 90s. He's from the 90s. I mean, I think I'm probably going to be cursed with this for the rest of my life because we're, he's a little bit older than me, but we're kind of, we're a similar age. So mm. it's always going to be that way. Well, it's like, yes. you, like you said before, it's the cross you bear. It's the cross I bear. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, um, Andy, thank you for telling us your stories again. That's always nice. And Thank you, mate. Um, and uh, just enjoy it. You can now relax with a nice feeling that you did the marathon, it went well, and you raised money for charity. That must be a good feeling. It must be very sort of rewarding. Yeah. yeah. No, it definitely is. It's, it's, and again, thank you to everybody who supported me. It was um, very touching. Thank you very, very, very much. Okay, cool. Yeah, and if I don't speak to you before, Luke, mm-hmm. have, a very, have a very happy birthday. Thank you. And also, best of luck with the podcast awards. I imagine that by the time this goes out, you may well know the result. Yeah, I think so because the the the, I think- the ceremony's on Saturday, uh, so and I've got a, an episode or two to, that need to go up before this one goes up. Okay. So yeah, by the time I publish this, I'll know whether or not I've actually won anything. Um, well, yeah. good luck. Thanks. Good luck. I'm sh- it's, let's let's see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, thanks a lot. Fingers firmly yeah. crossed. I've no idea what will happen, but we'll see. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Luke. Bye, bye, everyone. Bye, bye. So that was Andy there telling us a few stories. I hope you enjoyed listening to us uh, in conversation. I would just like to say at the end of this episode, thank you very much if you sent me a message recently to wish me a happy birthday. It was my birthday recently. Thanks for your messages. I received messages in my email inbox, on Facebook, on Twitter, and in the comments section of the website. So thank you. That is very nice of you. Um, If you didn't realise it was my birthday, and you would still like to wish me a happy birthday, you're welcome to do it. But what do you do? What do you write if you're saying happy birthday to someone, but it's late? What do you write? Well, you can write happy belated birthday. Happy belated birthday. Uh, That's what you write when you're late, wishing someone a happy birthday. Belated, B-E-L-A-T-E-D. Belated means basically happening later than expected or happening later than when something was supposed to happen. For example, we can give someone a belated apology. That's when you apologise to someone, but the apology is coming a bit late Um, Or it could be a belated attempt to do something. That's when he tried to do something, but it's probably too late. For example, um, uh, he made a belated attempt to apologise, but it didn't help. So he tried to apologise, but it was too late. A belated attempt to apologise, or he gave a belated apology. Um, Also, we get things like belated recognition. For example, when an artist receives belated recognition for their work, it could be that they get some recognition... um, but it's too late. Maybe they're dead by the time they get the recognition they deserve. That has happened to a few artists in the past. Was it Vincent van Gogh? Yes, and we, I say Vincent van Gogh in British English. Normally it's van Gogh. In other uh, countries it's like van Gogh, 
Van Gogh, uh, the artist, uh, the painter, Vincent Van Gogh, didn't he receive belated recognition for his work? I, I think that uh, for large parts of his career, he just didn't really have much success and no one really noticed how great he was until perhaps after he died. It wasn't until after he died that he received most of the recognition and all the praise and his work suddenly became incredibly valuable. So he he received, you could say, belated recognition for his work. So anyway, belated. Uh, happy belated birthday, you might write, if you want to. Also, we have similar words like overdue. So overdue is a synonym of belated, but we use overdue, so that's O-V-E-R-D-U-E, one word, we use that for more work-related things like a report or a payment that comes in too late, for example, an overdue payment. But anyway, thank you very much for the birthday wishes. I had a lovely day with my wife and daughter and I received some very nice gifts and it was great. Thank you. I had cake. It was delicious. Yum, yum, yum. So, um, not much time here. Uh, there's so many things to talk about. I'd, I'd love to just keep talking to you for ages, but uh, I won't. I'll just try and say a few things uh, briefly here at the end, just a little uh, sort of post-episode ramble here at the end. So I managed to get to the cinema to see Avengers Infinity War. I'm mentioning this because a couple of people have asked me to comment on it, and I've, I've spoken at length before about uh, um, Marvel films. Um, so a couple of people wrote wrote to me saying, hey, have you seen Infinity War? What did you think? Well, I did get to the cinema to see Avengers Infinity War, the latest in the Avengers um, uh, film uh, franchise, uh, all part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I, I did get to see it. In a nutshell, I really enjoyed it. In fact, I was kind of blown away by it. I don't know how they managed to include so many characters with their own complex storylines into one single film and actually make it work. So I really enjoyed it. It made me laugh. I enjoyed the character development of the bad guy, Thanos. And I found that, weirdly, we sort of understand where he's coming from in terms of his motivations. Even though he's a classic uh, uh, comic book bad guy, we sort of understand why he's doing it. And I, I think that helped the film. It helped the plot um, a lot. I enjoyed the performances of the actors. Uh, some of the, the weird moments, there were some kind of slightly odd, uh, almost surreal moments in the film, which I liked. I liked the action sequences, and I was quite stunned by the ending. I'm not giving away any spoilers, but let's say it didn't end in the way that these kinds of action movies usually end, and I can't wait for the next part of the story to come out next year, so I can just see see what happens next because it was quite stunning at the end it was like what no what what um i was quite surprised and uh surprisingly quite emotional as well in some in some uh scenes so anyway i can't wait for the next one uh avengers infinity war that was my little mini review i also saw deadpool 2 which made me laugh a lot mainly mainly just comedy uh, Deadpool. It made me laugh, especially in the way that it makes fun of typical uh, tropes of superhero action films. The kinds of cliches that you always get in superhero films, a lot of them are mocked uh, in Deadpool uh, 2. I really enjoyed Deadpool 2. I thought it was very funny and extremely violent. Not that that's necessarily a good thing, 
Uh, but uh, the, it's really the humour that, that did it for me. And the, the character of Deadpool is kind of an interesting one. The way he breaks the fourth wall. You know, he talks directly to the audience sometimes, which is, you know, enjoyable. Um, I'm yet to see the new Star Wars film. Yes, there is another new Star Wars film out, just in case you didn't realise. There is a new Star Wars film. Yeah, I know it was only a few months ago that the previous new Star Wars film was out, but here we go with another one. And this one is called Solo, and it's a kind of origins story of Han Solo. Now, I wasn't, I haven't seen it yet, um, but um, I, th- I have mentioned it, I think, before. I wasn't expecting much from, from Solo, because honestly, how can it be possible to make a film about such a beloved character as Han Solo without Harrison Ford that doesn't disappoint everyone? Um, it's, it's bound to be a disappointment, isn't it, really? Because Han Solo, you can't really separate Han Solo from Harrison Ford. I mean, how can anyone possibly play Han Solo play Han Solo and sort of match the charm, the charisma and just the general uh I don't know what it is that Harrison Ford has. I mean it's not that he's a brilliant actor. It's more that he he just has this unique sort of charm. The star power. How can anyone play Han Solo without the star power of Harrison Ford? I don't know how it could work. But I haven't seen it yet and actually the trailer, looking at the trailer, it looks pretty good. It looks like a, a sort of smaller story than the usual Star Wars films, more like a kind of gangster film or a like a bank robbery film or something, but set in the Star Wars universe. Um, I have the impression that the critics don't like it, um, but I've been avoiding the reviews. Just uh, the little glimpses of commentary I've seen about it seem to they, they don't seem to be great. Also, I've seen that um, uh, the film hasn't taken as much money as they expected or hoped. I don't know if that's a sign of the film being good or not, but it suggests that the film is a failure, maybe a flop, which is kind of what I was expecting anyway. Uh, I knew that uh, there were lots of problems in the production process of the film, that it, uh, they fired the original directors of the film, they did lots of rewriting, they did reshoots, the actor had to have lots of assistance to help him get the, the performance right. You know, So there were lots of sort of... Uh, bits of news that suggested that it was a it was a troubled production which usually means that the final result isn't very satisfying but anyway i um i'm going to go and see it when i can and hopefully i'll enjoy it but anyway that's enough talking here at the end thank you so much for listening to the podcast as usual if you listen to my podcast on iTunes or you use the Apple Podcasts app, then you might see, if you check through the archive of episodes in your podcast app, you might see that you don't have access to the back catalogue of episodes. You'll see that some of the older episodes are missing. That's because they're not all available in the Apple Podcasts app. So if you want to get all of the episodes, uh, the entire back catalogue, in an app on your phone with also lots of bonus content, then get the Luke's English Podcast app. It's available free for Apple and Android phones from the App Store. All of the back catalogue, lots of bonus stuff, including videos and all kinds of other things. Check it out, Luke's English Podcast app in the App Store. That's it. Speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.